All right. How's everybody doing this morning? How's everybody this morning? Everybody's all right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Pastor JP said, it was cold this morning. I felt like I was deceived by the weather. If you were getting coffee, um, Lori asked me, what was the question that we had to reflect on? And I told her, well, why isn't it spring? And everybody burst out laughing. Because that, because, you know, I'm like, because everybody's wondering, why isn't it spring, right? And so I just sort of went on and said, well, you never know, because you ever wonder why the Lord isn't doing something that we want him to do? And maybe because he needed to be colder for a specific reason, and you never know. So um, I'm going to sort of just do an intro of what, we've been, what we're doing with our series, and we're going to go into the scripture and pray. Um, but we're doing a series called Behind the Curtain. And the idea is that when Jesus died, the curtain in the temple was ripped in two. And we're able to come to the Father and see who he is without having to be on the other side of the curtain. But, it, but I can't help but to think about the Wizard of Oz, right? You know, if you ever see the Wizard of Oz that comes on TBS like once a year, I think it comes on during what, uh, Christmas time? They'll show it once a year. And the guy's like, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. You know, he'll hear that because he doesn't want to be revealed, right? But then we have a God who's saying, pay attention to me behind the curtain. I want to show you who I am. I want to reveal who I am. And last week we spoke about God's power, right? Pastor JP spoke about his power and how sometimes we feel like God is out to get us, that he's a, a, a father that is not in control. But we learned through Exodus 3 that we serve a God that is in control of his power. And so today we're going to talk about uh, God's authority and his discipline. God's authority and discipline. Okay? So we're going to look at Hebrews 12, 4 through 13. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Hebrews 12, 4 through 13. Hebrews 12, 4 through 13. And I think it's up here. And it reads... In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord's disciplines, the ones he loves, and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in, in, which, all we, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who discipline us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? And they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines for our good, that we may share in his holiness. 
for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the fruitful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, lift up your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame might not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. The word of God for the people of God. Let's pray. Lord, help us to understand your word this morning, Lord. Empty our hearts, our mind of any distractions and things that will take our minds and hearts off of you. Be with us, Lord, today. Teach us, guide us, help me to decrease so that you may increase. In your name, Lord, we pray. Amen and amen. There was a former student uh, as I was a youth pastor in Charlotte, and he was my most dedicated student. I think about him all the time. Before I left, he gave me a, a, a video game as a gift. I already had the game, so what I did was I just put it up in my office as a souvenir, just to remind me of that gift. But he was an awesome student. And he struggled being an agnostic. And if you, an agnostic is somebody, who, uh, uh, the idea of an agnostic is somebody who believes that God is unknowable. He's, he's too high to be, re, to, be, to be revealed and known. But he struggled to accept God's discipline. He rather accepted the Greek gods. And I asked him, now why would you accept the Greek gods? He says, because they weren't strict. They didn't, they didn't treat you a certain way. I said, oh, okay, so what you're trying to say is that these gods were without restraint. They let you do whatever you want to do without consequences unless it, connected to, unless it is connected to them. And he said, yes. He says that God's discipline is too contradicting and unfair. If God cared, then why, does, why do we have to endure so much? Why can't he just fix it now? Why, why can't he just do it now if he's so powerful? There was a young lady who was part of uh, Young Life Ministry. If you don't know what Young Life is, Young Life is a parachurch organization. It's an outreach ministry uh, to, to, to uh, middle school and high school teens. But this young lady was extremely dedicated. But later in her life, as she, she grew older, she rejected Christ and became comedic. Now, for those who don't know what comedicism is, simply put, it is a set, of, uh, it's a set or a religion that follows ancient Egyptian spiritual tenets. They also believe that Christianity is a plagiarism of these old tenets. It's pretty big in the black community. In her view, God was a woman. Now, though God is spirit, the Bible says, she connected God's authority to masculinity. She hated his authority, especially when it was tied to something masculine. She said, it's easy for me to submit to God if she knew that God was a woman. And the reason the, the, the reason for this type, the reason for this, this idea was because that authority, she believed, was tied subconsciously 
tied to her father. And to her defense, he was a terrible man. To be honest, I did not care for the brother. He always had a mean look, and that's the way his heart was too. I'm sorry. When I did Young Life, my philosophy was to meet every parent. Every parent, and for the most part I did. But when it came to him, I'm like, I don't want to do it, Lord. <laughs> but come to find out that one day, at the age of 14, she was coming home from school, like any normal teenager, coming home from school, and the house was empty. The locks were changed. Her father upped and moved without any notice, and she was left homeless. She eventually moved in with her brother. But before that, she moved in with, her, uh, with one of our Young Life leaders, and we got in contact with the father, and the father literally said, well, I left her $45. That's how he was. And there are more stu stories of students who, just like this one, who rejected God's authority because it reminded them of the parents who abused their authority. And though she was a teen, she became comedic when she was an adult. These things don't end when your children, they continue on. And through my experience, many of these stories, maybe not because, were not maybe because of a parent's abuse, but an abuse of authority within the church. So there are a lot of students and a lot of people who are like, I don't like church, and therefore church, so sometimes as church folk, we can be kind of off, right? Because we sinful. And what happens sometimes is with that, we associate that authority with God and say, I don't like God. Because look how the church treats me. That is how God's authority is. And so many people struggle with church hurt and have a false idea of who God is. As I continue to build relationship with college students, you know, from Bible study and as I meet students at State, one of their main concerns is that there is a fear of enduring and perseverance when becoming a Christian because they cannot control the results of the outcome. Now, I got a lot of help for this. I, I, you know, Tatiana, she's a wonderful young lady. She, she helped me to really understand the minds of students. She's going to be, man, let me tell you, she might run RUF one day. I'm just, she might run the college ministry one day. But she helped me to understand a lot of this. But what I learned something is that J.J. Abrams, the, the director, J.J. Abrams, who did a lot of the, the latest Star Wars prequels, and he, he did a couple of the new Star Trek movies, he, he mentioned that the reason why they make so many Star Wars prequels is because this generation is not satisfied. They need to know every detail of the movie so in order for them to accept it. Because remember, growing up watching the old Star Wars films, we were cool with, we were satisfied with piecing together the mystery of the unknown. But this generation ain't like that. It's different. This idea comes from, this idea comes up even when encountered when it comes to God. I need to know everything so before I follow him. I need to have control. 
And this happens a lot. So many of them neglect the faith because they can't endure through the struggle of sin because they don't know what's going to happen next. They need the details. I mentioned a um, Christian hip-hop artist before named Bizzle. I've used him. Is he up, up there? I mentioned him before. And so he has a song called, a rap song called You Don't Know. And this song deals with the authority and the discipline of the Lord. And I'm going to let Q play the last verse of that song. And I want you to listen to it. Go ahead, brother. father which makes you the child so you act like your child does for example your son was candy all the time thinking if you gave it to him he'd be happy all the time so in his eyes daddy just don't want to see him happy he doesn't understand it you can see what he can't see you can see the future the tummy aches and cavities so you reply as for your own good son be mad at me fast forward to now and that's how you acting like daddy why can't i have sex before marriage and I don't understand it it's good for her it's good for me but even back then he could see what you couldn't see a bunch of homes with no fathers in them us running through a lot of women making babies and then trying to kill them a bunch of disease is killing us and God's just saying it's for your own good you get that it what you that's bizzle so if you I I, I I got all his albums. He's the truth, okay? So if you ever want to listen to him, just let me know. But what Bizzle was trying to say is that some people claim God to be a hater. This, this is slang for someone who doesn't want to see others happy, someone who is constantly pointing out flaws, someone who is always jealous, someone who imposes his hate by subjecting us to that authority. God is a bully. And Bizzle goes on and says, for those who want to know, God is not a hater, but he's the father. A father that exercises his authority and discipline because he loves you, not because he is hating on you. So here's what I want you to get, that God's authority and discipline builds endurance and perseverance leading to righteousness and holiness. Let's go on. Let's look at our passage. Let's look at verses 4 and 5. Pull up 4. Yeah, there we go. The, you know what? We don't know who wrote Hebrews. We don't have no idea. But I think it was a brother who loved sports. He probably was a brother who didn't like comic books and anime. He wouldn't be my friend. No, I'm just kidding. But he probably was a guy who, 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 who liked sports because in this chapter, he uses a lot of sports analogies he, he, to, to, uh, to, to his audience. And, you know, in the beginning, he uses a race. But in verse 4, he uses boxing. So the, the Greeks would have these athletic games. And, and, of course, one of them was boxing. And this term, resist to the point of shedding blood, comes from boxing. And the author is saying that, that, that boxing of those days would eventually, you would have bloodshed, just like today. But he's, and then he says, on the rarest occasions, it would even end in death. 
And see, in this text, sin is personified as your opponents in the boxing ring. And Arthur is saying that when you are, you are weary and it's hard, but you haven't begun to shed blood yet. He's saying, keep going. The listeners of Hebrew are encouraged and are reminded that God is disciplining them, and he tells them why he's doing that. So this first point, you can write this down. For the first point is, the first reason is they are being disciplined is because they, we, are his loved children. Look at verse 6 and 8. What we see here is the Lord's discipline, and, and he chastises his loved children. God is not being a jerk. We might think that sometimes. No, he loves his children. And the author gives a hypothetical question. What father doesn't discipline their son? If God doesn't discipline you, then you are not his child. It's incredible how the author uses the word illegitimate children. This is pretty harsh. Even then, it was harsh to hear that today. He could have said anything. He could have said, you know, you're just not his children, and just left that. that. No, he uses illegitimacy to make a point. And the author is trying to draw a serious point. He says, in the ancient world, being illegitimate was not a good thing. And it was actually a very dirty term. The illegitimate children did not get the inheritance, neither did they get the time and investment. God is investing his time in his children, and he is concerned about his children, his people, and his church because we are important to him. He, his children, who are his great love. Here's another reason, next point. Another reason we are disciplined is because God is our father. He's the authority. He is the one in charge. Pull up verse 9. Some people might not like this. I think we struggle with this a lot. The student in Charlotte, who I mentioned, he, he would struggle with this. But God is the one who has the authority. Not you, not me. He is the one in charge. We can question this authority, but he doesn't have to answer us. He doesn't have to say anything. He has the right to say no, yes, or maybe, or just wait. The author here uses an earthly father as an example of that authority. This earthly father who exercises authority through discipline was respected. And a father of that day would train, would be child-rearing, there would be chastisement and discipline, and teach the family trade. And because of that, the father was honored and revered, right? How much more should God's authority be honored and revered? Because of his love for us, because of his love for us it, 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 it drives his authority. We, we, he deserves honor. He deserves reverence and even submission. His authority is bound in love, training, rearing, and correcting like an earthly father. God doesn't exercise his authority for authority's sake. And this takes me to my last point. God's discipline, God's discipline us because it yields righteousness 
and holiness. Look at verse 10. Go to verse 10 through 13 if you can. When I think of the analogy the author gave at the beginning of a boxer, I can't help but to think about the term going the distance. One of my favorite movies is Rocky. I love all the Rockies. Latifi didn't like it when we met. She, I almost didn't marry her. She, she, she loved Christ with all her heart, but she didn't love Rocky enough. I, I, get, I showed her grace. I gave her grace because the Bible tells us to, even when some of us don't understand certain things. But, but if you've ever seen the Rocky films, she's going she's gonna, to she's gonna get me after this, but you ever see the Rocky films, Rocky won, Rocky was telling, I just want to go to distance with Apollo. I just want to go to distance. This, this going the distance is referred to a boxer that goes to the final round without being knocked out. The author is telling us that the discipline of the Lord builds endurance and perseverance so that we can make it on the final day of redemption. What I love, what I love is that it says, it's painful for a moment. Man, things are painful for a moment. But it yields, but, but what it yields forever is more important. You will be able to share in the holiness of, of the Father, and it is good for you. I remember when I was 25 years old, and I called my father up, and I thanked him for disciplining me for all those years ago. And at the time, and for a moment, I didn't understand. All I could see and feel was the pain and the aggravation. Why my father got to act like this? Leave me alone. And, you know, man, why? he doesn't want, you know what? He's just an old man. He's not up with the times, you know. He, he, he's, you know, he, he's still living in the, in, in the, in the doo-wop era, man. This is hip-hop. He need to get with it. He don't get me. That's how I thought, you know. Sort of, it was pretty immature, right? But the pain of my father rearing and et cetera, it was just, I didn't understand. And I called him because at that time I was ministering to students who didn't have fathers, fathers who abandoned them, fathers who abused them. Some of these students experienced jail and they began to sell drugs. And I, what I realized was that they didn't have a father that loved them and disciplined them. Because of that, they didn't have a moment of pain, they had a lifetime of it. Look at verse 12 and 13. Go back, if you can, go back to, go to 12 and 13. I think it's in there. And this is what he goes on and says this. He says, he says, continue. He, he, say, he says to hold out. Don't worry. He, he tells him to endure. Hold on and go the distance. So you can imagine a boxer, his arms are tired. And they're like, oh gosh, I can't. He's telling him, lift up your arms. Come on, keep going and endure. Go the distance. Let's look at some application. Don't try, here's the first application. Don't try to shortcut God's discipline. You, you, you as believers, you will go through the fire. You will struggle. You will have pain. You will have loss. You will be rejected. 
you will be reared. You will be chastised. And God will tell you no. I say that because I think there are some Christians who believe that we shouldn't have to struggle. You shouldn't have to go through all that. And for some of us, instead of trusting in God's discipline, we seek moral formulas or silver bullet methods. And this is what I mean. I remember my father used to look at a show called The Crystal Cathedral. I don't know if anybody used to look at that, Crystal Cathedral. Man, if a hurricane came through, no. But it was so full of plants. Man, what's up with all these plants, man? I know they had roaches up in there. They didn't tell you, no. And so their ideology was to look at the positive side of Christianity. I don't know if you ever remember that. That's where the like, look at the positive side. Let's not look at the side that makes you feel bad. Let's not look at sin. See, we seek those kind of things because it's easier. It's easier to do that. We, 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 we want to go that route because we know what, what that leads. Some of us will listen to health and wealth gospel, prosperity gospel. Well, if you just do this, God will have you have doing this and doing that. We want to seek the easy route. We want to shortcut God's discipline. We want to get what we want to get now. We want to have what we want to have now. Instead of just dealing with the pain. And, or we instead do not build endurance, neither is there perseverance. But instead, we, we seek a Christian life that makes things easier, or we don't seek it at all. We love American Christianity because it's easy. We love that road. It's easier. Nah, I shouldn't have to suffer. You know what? I was looking at an interview with Oprah. I don't really care for Oprah, but that's another story. Um, she had an um, a interview with T.D. Jakes. If you know T.D. Jakes is, uh, pastor of the Potter House, I think, in Texas, and his wife. And then and next week, there was an interview with Joel Osteen. I don't care for Joel either because don't I, Yeah, a lot of people, yeah, I don't care, but... Y'all, if you know who Joel is, you will see why. And Oprah asked him the same question. Do, y'all, do your marriages have problems? And T.D. Jakes' wife gave him the side eye. Like, oh, yeah, we do. T.D. Jakes, you know, with that list. Oh, yeah, yeah we, we, we have some problems, Oprah. He admitted, we got problems. But when she asked Joe Osteen, Joe Osteen looked at each other like, well, no, no, we don't got no problems. We good. I'm like, lying, lying on TV. And Oprah's like, come on, man. That black side came out. She was like, come on, man. Nah, nah, come on. Nah. But, that, but they say we don't have any problems because that's their theology. Nah, you, don't, you don't look at the problems. You focus on what's easy. God ain't disciplining you. You just got to find your blessing and go through it and, and work it. No, God might be disciplining you and saying, no, you need to sit down because you're sinful. No, you don't need a million dollars. You don't need a car. But you're going to tear it up and you're not going to give me the glory. You don't need that. Next point in the application. Trust the Father when you are being disciplined. Trust the Father when you are being disciplined. See, we want God that allows us to do whatever we want and let us to have whatever we want whenever we want it. Because we truly do not trust the Father's discipline. Because we think, well, you know, he, he, God makes the process seem harder. It shouldn't be, it's like I mentioned, it shouldn't be this hard. Why are things taking so long? He is not giving me what I want when I, when I think I need it. 
I want more money. I want a better job. I, I, you know, why my kids got to act like this? I, I, I want this thing here. And sometimes we are afraid of God. What will he do? I'm afraid of it. And we have a skewed view. What I mean is that we have a skewed view of God because of earthly fathers. We think our father, we treat the father on earth should act like this, therefore God is acting like that. I should beat you up and abuse you to teach you tough love. And God agrees with it. So we have a skewed view of it, so we don't trust God. That's not a loving God. That's not loving or caring. God will not let you do what he wants because he's a good father. He's a good God. He will steer you in the right direction even if he has to be strict. Trust in his discipline. You know, I was called when I was 18 years old, and I I had my whole life planned out. Grew up in the Amy church, was going to have a a, a mega church, be a pastor at the age of 26, 27, something like that, a young pastor with a mega church. That was my heart. And I didn't get ordained. I'm 41 years old. I won't be ordained till I'm 42. Most likely will not probably plant a church or anything till maybe I was 45. And in my mind, I'm thinking, but my friends, Lord, who were pastors, they got ordained when they were like 26, 25. They got churches. My father even told me, you know, your cousin so-and-so, he got a big church. I'm like, dang. I'm like, God, what are you doing? Why, why am I going through all this? Let me tell you something about me. I'm so glad that God didn't ordain me when I was young. I was arrogant. I was not humble. I was ignorant and very immature. You think I'm immature now? Ooh. I would have, I would have been, I would have most likely, and I'm being honest, I would have most likely have hurt people destroyed churches and lives, and even commit adultery. That's how bad I would have been. But I thank the Lord that through his discipline and his rearing and and humbling me, that I'm able to understand things better. The experiences that I got through ministry, me being in seminary, actually able to comprehend what I'm learning because I was a terrible student when I was, when I was at a young, when I was young at RTS. I was terrible. I made F's. I didn't make A's, I made F's. Why couldn't they reverse it? If, let me tell you, if making F was like, like a high GPA, I would, be, I, would be on the, I would be on the dean's list. But it wasn't like that. I, I'm glad I waited because therefore I know that I need to be more mature, that I need to be more humble when loving his people, that I had to have the experience that I did not have, that I had to have the learning that I didn't have, that I had to be able to deal with this generation that is different when I was then. That what is God is doing is greater than what I wanted and what I thought. And I'm so thankful for it. Because I wouldn't have not met, I wouldn't have met Latifah, but she wouldn't want to marry me. I would have been a terrible, terrible husband, terrible pastor, a terrible teacher. But now that God is saying, no, I'm going to take you through the longest journey so that you can serve me and so that others can serve me. You see, I could only see the trees, but God is able to see the forest. How is he preparing you? 
What is God doing to you? How will we trusting his discipline in your life? What, 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 is, what are you asking the Lord? What are you waiting for? What are things that are taking? What is, how is God disciplining you? Some of us have had poor examples of earthly fathers who, who disciplined we couldn't trust, either because we didn't know them or they were just terrible fathers. Let's be honest, that's true. Some of us have fathers who were, who, who, who were great examples in our lives, who disciplined us, and we could trust it, right? But the, but the poor examples and the negligence of a father is due to sin. Go back to verse 10. Pull up verse 10 for me, y'all. It says, For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. This is important. Because of sin, a father or, or those mothers who are doing the father's job, because the father's not there, let's be real, that's there too, a father's discipline is limited. There, and we as parents are doing the best we can, right? Fathers are doing the best we can. And sometimes, like I mentioned in the intro, there are fathers who are just straight out negligent, explicitly. But we need to know that our, our human fathers should not affect the trustworthiness of our godly father. He isn't neglectful. He is consistent, he has perfect discipline, he is personal, and he is always there. He never forgets his children. We can trust his discipline. And for you who didn't know your father, you might even hate him for abandoning or abusing. I'm here to tell you that you can trust and know the heavenly father who will never leave you or harm you who will always love you. Our next point is, next application, embrace the Father's love. I want, you to, I want you to hear me in this now, okay? In our culture, okay, in our culture, a father can be no more than a dominant authority in our lives as a children. That's it. He's just, he's just, that's just him. But there is a difference between a father's dominant authority and a dominant authority of daddy. Okay, let me explain. Growing up, some of us might have, might know the authority of our fathers, but never got the love. Okay, they always exercise raw authority, but never exercise the love behind it. Now hear me out, I'm not saying that if you don't, that if you call your father, father, that's less intimate, okay? You understand what I'm trying to say? But you, but you see, daddy seems to be more intimate for some of us. That's my daddy. God is our daddy. He, he's that authority that was patient with me, that helped me, that reared me, that carried me on his shoulders, that held me when I, was, when I, was, when I fell off the bike, that trained me, that chastised me. That's daddy, right? All of, all of us, all of us can know that about a father, that that's my daddy. Or, or for some of you, that's my father, and you proud. Because God's authority is based on love for us, 
so that we can do and persevere. Pull up this um, clip. I mean, not this clip, but this picture of Denzel. This is a movie called Fences. I don't know if y'all seen it. It's also a play, but it's a really good movie. Man, I would recommend that each of you go home, get, up, get on Amazon or whatever you stream and find Fences. I'm sure it's on one of the streaming apps. It's a really good movie. Oh, man. Okay? It, it, it's Fences with Denzel Washington and uh, Viola Davis. And there is a scene that would just break your heart. And it's a scene with Denzel and his son. And Denzel was a man who was hardened and bitter from the racism of Jim Crow. And he was a callous man. He worked long hours, terrible pay, unfair conditions. He was pretty hard. Because of this, he was pretty hard on his son. And one day they're both working in the backyard and his son, Corey, he was walking away and he turns around and he asks his father a question. He says, how come you never liked me? And at this point, you know Denzel, but when he started acting, that acting boy, that boy go from like level one to 10 on his acting scale, right? Denzel looks at him and says, what law says I got to like you? He says, do you eat every day? His son says, yes, sir. You got a roof over your head? Yes, sir. You got clothes on your back? Yes, sir. And he says, why do you think I do that? He says, because of you. He says, I know because of me. This is what he says. He says, look, man, I bust my butt putting up with white people. You think I do it because I like you? It's not responsibility. It's my job, not because I like you. You see, what his son really wanted to know was, do you love me? Do you love me? You're so hard on me. It, it, it made me think his, it made him think his father doesn't love him. But when I first saw the movie, I didn't understand. Because see, I didn't grow up in that era. It was a different time. Because of the sin of racism, it hardened many African-American men and women during that time. Men who were bitter and angry and dehumanized every day. They felt like there was no time for love. Ain't no time for that. It's too soft. I got to survive. We got to survive. See, you needed a hard exterior to make it. And love was hidden or dormant, dormant in the deepest part of that exterior. Deep down inside, yes, Denzel loved him, but it was so deep. And I didn't understand that until, my, until I understood my father's father, until I understand certain people. And I'm like, that's how it was. See, my father always said, I love you. He always told me that because he didn't know his father. His father abandoned him. See, sin, here it goes, because of sin, sin disconnects the relationship between the love and the authority. It's tainted, it's disconnected, it's destroyed. God is both love and the father and the authority. He is both of them. We as, the, we as fathers 
and as mothers who are being fathers, we have to do both. So we should embrace the Father's love, embrace the Father's love and his authority. And finally, look to Jesus to endure and persevere. Pull up that next picture of a pot. Look to Jesus to endure and persevere. You know, back then, pots were used for many things, hold water, wine, oil, etc. And the terrain in ancient Palestinian was sometimes rocky, right? So transporting pots or even carrying them was tricky. So of course some would crack and some would even shatter. It wasn't like, it wasn't like Walmart, right, where you could return your receipt and say, look, my pot cracked on the way home. I, I, you know, it was probably better than Walmart. I just, Walmart lowered. Anyway, so instead when the pot would crack or shatter, what they would do is they would take a blood of a tick from animals or like cattle and another substance and create an adhesive or glue. They would glue the pieces back on and reheat the pot. This process made the pot more durable than it was before. I'm saying also to say that though we might be cracked, it is the blood that helps us to endure. It is the blood that allows us to persevere. Go to verse 4. Go back to verse 4. All the way back to verse 4. Remember what it says. In your struggle against sin, you have not resisted to the point of shedding blood. The author's trying to make another point here. What he's saying is that you haven't resisted to the point of shedding blood, but, somebody, but someone else did shed their blood, and his name is Jesus Christ. The theme of Hebrews is simply put, Jesus is better. Okay? If we hope to endure or persevere, we must look to Jesus. We must look to the Son. The one that shed his blood endured and persevered to the end. Now, how do I notice? Because this same chapter tells us. Go to Hebrews 12, too. It should be up there. We know this one. Look to Jesus, the founder and protector of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him and endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of God the throne, throne of God. Some translation says, finisher. Here again, the author is using a sports analogy. Jesus is running a race, and he has first place, he got first prize. He has perfectly followed the Father's discipline and the authority. So he could endure the cross because he loved us. We look to him. The only way we can go the distance is because Jesus went the distance. Otherwise, there is no hope. We're out in the first round. On the last day, we will be before the Father, and he will see the cracks. He will see the cracks on this side, on that side. He will see all the cracks. But he will also see the blood that held us together. The God the Father will know that it was the blood of Jesus that allowed us to endure and to persevere. We will see and know that God's discipline and authority 
build is authority, builds endurance and perseverance that lead that is leading to righteousness and holiness. I want to finish this sermon by quoting a gospel song by Marvin Sapp called His Hands. He has his hands on you. And this is the first verse. He says, He sees the tears you cry. He shares your pain inside. And sometimes you wonder why he allows you to go through what you go through. Just know that his hand, that he has his hands on you. Let's pray. Lord, I want to thank you, Lord, for your discipline and your love, Lord. Because without it, Lord, where would we be? Without it, Lord, we couldn't share in your holiness. We couldn't endure. We couldn't persevere to the end. We wouldn't see the resurrection of our bodies, Lord, if it wasn't for you. Help us, Lord, each of us, individually and as a church, to endure, individually, to, 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 individually and collectively to endure and persevere, Lord, so that we can be holy, so that we can be righteous, Lord. And Lord, if, we're, and if there's anybody today, Lord, who is struggling with that, Lord, open their eyes and help them to see what you are doing. In the name of the Lord, we pray. Amen.